Welcome to Deep Focus, a radio show about movies and New Haven. I'm your host, Tom Breen. Uh, this week marked the release of one of the most antici highly anticipated movies of, I don't know, my lifetime, <laughs> let alone the year, uh, Ryan Coogler's uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe entry, Black Panther. Uh, this is based on the 1966 kind of original introduction of this character into the Marvel comic book series. Uh, Chadwick Boseman plays Chala, the son of a... Uh, the King of Wakanda, which is kind of derisively dismissed by characters outside of Wakanda as a struggling third world country uh, in Africa. But in fact, uh, all is not as it appears on the surface. Wakanda is in fact this techno-utopia uh, sustained by this miracle resource called vibranium uh, that is only accessible to the kind of select few who are born into that country and uh, kind of uh, reverentially maintain their allegiance to it and are quite reluctant to wander outside of it for the the kind of many uh, problems and uh, kind of inequalities and terrors that beset the regular world. Wakanda is uh, kind of wonderfully immune to those, or we shall see. So the movie follows uh, the kind of heir to the throne after his father, the king, is killed and and uh, Chala is called upon to be the next king. And there are a number of different kind of subplots that weave their way in and out of Black Panther, uh, mostly involving challenges to the throne. But it's it's really, I mean, this we'll, we'll see uh, as we jump into the conversation with my guests, but this movie is as much about uh, the, I think, the merits of existing in a completely kind of isolationist society and uh the moral kind of obligation of intervening in the world more broadly, uh, specifically to protect uh, other members of like the African diaspora. But those are some, that, that's the uh, very high level overview of what Black Panther is about. It's also just a superhero movie uh, for better, for worse. Uh, it is the action blockbuster of our time. So I'm um, to talk about it. I'm very happy to uh, introduce uh, three guests. Thrilled to have on the show. Preston Wilson. Preston Sir. is one of the producers of the Joe ugly show. Uh, in the morning here on WNHH, mm -hmm. uh, Sean Murray, a comedian and Smiley. podcast host of <laughs> Fantasy Film Ball, and Lucy Gelman, the editor of the Arts Paper hey, here Tom. in town. Preston, Sean, and Lucy, thanks for uh, coming on the show to talk about Black Panther. It's a pleasure to have you here. Pleasure, man. Thanks, thanks for, having, for having, us. having us. Happy to be here. All right, awesome. cool. So as the as the first time guest on the show, uh, Sean, I'm going to jump to you first to get your impression of it. I mean, I feel like there are a number of different ways that we can approach Black Panther. One is this pretty kind of revolutionary action blockbuster that is entirely uh, kind of created by um, the uh, kind of most talented African-American cast and crew working in movies today. For Ryan mm -hmm. Coogler, Michael B. Jordan, Lupita Nyong'o as the kind of newest generation of African-American film talent to, uh, you know, uh, kind of figureheads of like uh, Forrest Whitaker, Angela Bassett, and very familiar faces who have been, uh, you know, donning the silver screen for a long time. So as as this, uh, it's also a, a Marvel movie, a comic book movie, one that you know that seems to be the most popular action genre right now. Um, how did you how did you approach Black Panther? Like, what what about it were you most anticipating? And then I don't know, what do you think? What's your initial impression? I mean, I'm just most anticipating. I'm I'm, I love Ryan Coogler. Like, he's one of my, like, favorite directors ever. Like, Creed's one of my favorite movies. Fuvel Station is amazing. So I was, I was definitely interested in seeing how he blends his style with um 
with the Marvel uh, like house style because that's been a lot of like mm-hmm. Ava DuVernay was originally one of the people they wanted to get to do it, but she said she just couldn't get like um, get past like Marvel's kind of restraints. Mm-hmm. So I was definitely trying to see like how much he would be restrained in because that's the same thing that happened with like Edgar Wright with the original. He's supposed to do Ant Man originally, but he was saying like his vision and their vision didn't kind of fit together. Had to go with the storyline. Yeah. So I was I was definitely excited to see like how that was gonna work out. And I thought it was it was amazing. Like Coogler's great and I think this is one of the first times where like this in that Guardians of the Galaxy is like Marvel kinda like loosening their grasp on the, the directors a little bit and letting them like influence the the look and feel of the the, the universe as much as uh the producers are. I think it did an outstanding job. Like I I loved it. I thought it was I like it made me look back on some of the other MCU movies that I liked and I was like, no, oh, this is actually way like this is how you do it. You know what mm. I mean? Like this is, it's a much deeper, I think like obviously the cast, the crew and, and all the Marvel movies are always great. But like, I think the story in this one was like the most interesting mm. in terms of like the, the central conflict of the characters is like the most, like the villain in this movie, uh, Michael B. Jordan's Killmonger is the most motivated villain in the MCU. Like he has, like he's, like I think a lot of the great villains, you can kind of like see their point of view. Mm-hmm. And um, like, there's no villain I've ever like saw their point of view more than uh, Killmonger in this movie. Like it's like he's right in a lot of mm. in a lot of ways. And, well, and, and like Claw, do you mind? Sorry, Tom. Um, but like Claw is a foil. That yeah. was one thing that was you know you you think you know who the villain is. Yeah. Um, and then they're like J.K. J.K. Yeah. 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 Which is really interesting. I got a twist it. So I. So Marvel, I mean, talk about an aspect of like the Marvel house style that has really hindered a lot of their movies, like completely forgettable uh, villains, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, Marvel has a wonderful way from Captain America to uh, Iron Man to the Avengers series. I mean, they have a wonderful way of creating these totally like idiosyncratic, funny, flawed, very human protagonists. And then they're up against, you know, this always like universally banal like super villain who's trying to destroy the entire world and ultimately he doesn't get to destroy the whole world and then we're on to the next movie where someone else is like you know it's completely uh i i can't i can't even call to mind any any villains even the big one in the avengers i don't even remember his name loki right i mean they're right Mm -hmm. they're massive ambitions but ultimately they reveal nothing about you know the characters themselves exactly um but you know there's certainly a lot of attention paid to the superheroes um and you also i think you're right on and bringing up the struggles that Marvel has had in mm. terms of, you know, a house style that washes out the unique nature of directors. I think maybe Taika Waititi with the latest Thor movie yeah, is bringing right. a yeah, bit of that own really unique humor. That. And then uh, also, I mean, Joss Whedon as the director of the Avengers movies, mm. I think fell a bit more victim to the yeah. kind of universalizing yeah, nature absolutely. of Marvel. But Preston, did you find this a successful kind of melding of the unique sensibility of Kugler with this kind of massive, uh, you know, epic American action movie franchise of Marvel movies right now? I think Cougar did a fantastic job on it. And I think the best part I loved about the movie is he brought the sense of realism into it, just mm-hmm. what would happen. And what I was most anticipated about this movie, um, it brought a what-if factor. What if Colonius didn't go to Africa? What it would be like? You know? Yeah, yeah. I would love that fact. And the thing I also love about this movie is I can, if I one day, if I have like an offspring, God forbid me, but I can take my kids to this and they can feel represented in a movie. Mm-hmm. I never had that as a child. Mm-hmm. You know, we always were like the sidekicks and, you know, we we're always like that token person, like right there in every other superhero. I never had that main person. Yes, I had my blades. Yes, you know, we had our cat wounds, you know, but um, we finally had that main person. You know, which I'm really happy about. And you never really get that whole type of 
stereotypical, you know, just side feel. Like we were just pushed aside. Everything was focused. Like even just the scenes, how I loved. Like we were part of like a whole council deciding political decisions. I thought that was beautiful. Mm. You know, so I, everything I anticipated with the movie, I loved and even more. So that's answer your question. I, I put a little extra into it. I didn't mean mm. to. No, that's perfect. But, yeah. I mean, I think that. Uh, you know, as much as I enjoyed mm-hmm. the Spider-Man Homecoming movie Absolutely. from this summer, I yeah. feel like Donald Glover's character in that is a perfect encapsulation of what you're of just expressing frustration about. Like, he's course, great, yeah. he's funny, he's memorable, but he's like the epitome of a side character, right? Exactly. He's like yeah. struggling you know, for any expect. kind of screen time. Yeah. And yeah. I think that he does something, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit different than most side characters in his like slouchy ambivalence and like half-hearted, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know, just like trying to make life as a part-time you know crook in in uh in spider-man homecoming but talk about someone with superstar charisma who's un- you know ultimately relegated to the side of the sidebar exactly. that is not the case in black panther exactly. no um all right lucy we've spoken about this hey, movie Tom. a few times and seen it in in uh on on friday and i think that i I'm a huge fan of Ryan Coogler. I think Fruitvale mm-hmm. Station and Creed were near perfect movies. Yeah. Uh, and in particular, you know, later in the show, we're going to be talking about how, you know, if we could recast or redirect a classic movie with this team, uh, you know, what, how, how would it be different? And I feel like Coogler's already done that with Creed, like taking Rocky and turning it into something completely his own, but also managing to keep the like inspiration, idealism and like naivete of Rocky. But I feel like with Black Panther, thematically totally on board uh and also like i i and we'll get into that whole like isolationist interventionist thing and also responsibility to like african diaspora fascinating love that every single character especially ones in positions of leadership leadership all black and that's represented in their production value too right i mean from costuming to hair Mm -hmm. skin color uh to the setting like everything is very proudly um very proudly black and positively black I found that this movie did not elevate what I appreciate so much about Ryan Coogler, which is exactly what um, Preston brought up, the, the mm. realism and the mm. intimacy of movies like Fruitvale Station yeah. and like Creed, where even in this blockbuster boxing movie, we are like burrowing into the head of, this, of you know, the illegitimate son of, of Apollo Creed and the kind of the anxiety and the ambition and all the stuff that drives him to do, you know, whatever it is he's looking to do mm. in that movie. Here, I found things a little too just in terms of like this is a criticism of marvel movies more general washed out into the um the kind of action spectacle mm-hmm. of of this you know most popular of american genres right now where ultimately all of these fascinating characters are made like subservient to a lot of cgi kind of mm. silliness at points where it's difficult to really invest myself in characters i believe in because there's you know this like bright fantastical waterfall like sprinkling water all over their heads i i struggle with with the loss of kugler specificity and like the massiveness of marvel do you you feel i think that's fair so first of all i want to and maybe we'll talk about this can we just talk about how everyone in the cast is a beautiful human like (laughs) i i'm the only woman in the room but i don't know that i'm alone in saying i could look at chadwick boseman and michael b jordan for like eight hours, nine <laughs> yeah, hours. Dude. And this Ten, movie like, like bears their chests, you know, we oh, get to see. Oh, I see know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that mo- I was like, Oh, please, please take your shirt off again, please. Um, yeah. But, but every, everyone in the, in the movie is beautiful. This is, um, this is also a, a movie kind of, that is a treat for the eyes. So the costumes are mm-hmm. gorgeous. I do think some of the CGI maybe 
pulls pulls you back from that. Like I'd be very interested in talking about that. Actually, one place where I thought so this was for me one of my first superhero movies. So I actually which is ridiculous. I know, I but also I, know, I guess probably inconceivable. Um, is but, it a principled objection to superhero movies, or do no, you? No, I I just grew up just not watching it. a lot. Of, I watched a lot of PBS as a kid. My parents were very controlling <laughs> oh. about what I what I could see in the movie theater and on TV. So I just somehow we just unlocked the cage that Lucy <laughs> was in, by the way, to let her. It, so <laughs> yeah, so so I somehow you know made it through my my twenty eight years without seeing a lot. I've seen Spider Man on a plane. Um, and I th- saw Spider Man on a plane. I saw Spider Man okay. on a plane. Yeah, um, gotcha. but but I just haven't the way seen it. Was a- designed to be seen. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you think he's gonna like clamp onto yeah. the wing or something like that? Um, no, I I just haven't seen a lot of. Oh, and I saw Doctor Strange. Th- there you go. Uh, three. We got three. <laughs> <laughs> you said only one. Yeah. Of these people. Yeah, we yeah, got yeah. Three. No, I I saw oh. that um, yeah. for an appearance on WNPR that never came to be, but. <laughs> Um, so this isn't a genre that is familiar to you or both? No, but I want to I want to talk about the question of whether or not uh, Ryan Coogler, mm-hmm. um, I'm afraid of like saying that wrong, um, nice whether or not he was handicapped by the Marvel Universe. Because the one thing for me that be. I wanted more of in this movie was the women. Like mm. they were so badass. They were so amazing. And it's also like, I oh, Preston's pausing. I don't know. <laughs> but I, okay. So I feel like it gets to this point that actually in like, in uh, contemporary feminist circles, right. people talk about a lot, which is the fact that in feminism, like the, the way our history books frame feminism, mm-hmm. writes women of color out of the movement largely, right. when women of color have always been at the forefront of the feminist movement and very responsible for mm-hmm. Like every, everything good, everything interesting and revolutionary and inspiring that has come out of the feminist movement and then have been systematically excluded from that history in most American history books. Mm. Um, and so in this movie, I wanted more, like every moment that I saw women doing like amazing technology. Yeah. And, yeah, it was so amazing. But I like, I wanted even more of that. And I was like, oh, this men thing is really interesting too. And I want more of the central conflict. But like, can we flash back to the women who are actually like right. the women save the day? They so, did. so they Preston, do. I feel like one revolutionary thing about Black yeah. Panther, or surprising thing for me, is that yeah, I mean the movie is named after the central male protagonist, but this is really like a matriarchal society, right? Like women are everywhere in this. So, I but think women did like but, a huge benefit. Wait, to let, the movie. let Preston respond. Oh, sorry. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm oh, I was gonna say, but you. like. Oh, Angela Bassett is so underutilized in this movie, and she is so she amazing. Was just a mom. Like, <laughs> what more can a mom do? But she's Angela Bassett. She she is. I think you, yeah, you, you cast know, Angela Bassett because you want to have a great actress, but I don't that's think you, true. I think it wasn't. There was. I think it would have been overstuffed if Angela Bassett has a bigger role. I, I, yeah, I'm not yeah. going to argue that's, that. Like, fair. I'm not going to say like no, no bigger stuff for women but, <laughs> exactly. I, but I think, I think in the case right. of this movie I think women played a huge they're role good. like oh they're first instrumental of all, Shuri, yeah. um, yeah. the teacher rights character stole the whole movie from his me I thought she was man. outstanding she's incredible she was amazing yes. she's 25 years old she plays 16 like I was, I was like <laughs> I, I'm attracted guys. to her is, I, is it okay I had to look her up after okay she's 25 okay <laughs> don't feel bad Perfect. man like, right, this is good thank um, you man um, Lupita character she a lot of the things spy. that Michael B. Jordan's character, a lot of the um, the ideology, he she was at the forefront. Like she wanted to, mm. the reason she didn't want to come back to Wakanda was because she wanted to 
help the world. So like, exactly. she was the per- first person to come mm-hmm. to him with those ideas, and it took the conflict with Killmonger right. for him to like actually see the v- benefit yes. of it. Um, but like, so I think like I think I think women were like central to this movie. I think exactly. I think um I think first of all, uh, spoiler alert: when he uh, <laughs> is defeated, um. Without new Peter Nyong'o's character, he never comes. Like he never gets a chance to come back and right. take uh-huh. back the um the throne the because throne. Yeah. like she's the one. She, Shuri, and the mom uh, yeah. lead the way to go. Like he would have just been well, stuck she, on ice. She literally the- is life giving. Yeah, 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 she has the exactly. herb. Yeah, the herb. sorry, um, we're spoiling the whole thing. Like <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> it's fine. We're still gonna rewatch. <laughs> Everyone has know, seen it already. And twice. they had the awesome army, the Dora Milaje, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They went against the villain before the main. Yeah, the hero did before yeah. Panther did, and they mm-hmm. had, they did a great job. And you see, like, um, I, f- I forgot what her and actually actual title was, but the girl from The Walking Dead, uh, okay, Okoye, yeah, Okoye, and um, she did a fantastic job in just leadership, and just by yeah. her in the casino scene doing everything. I think women were well represented in this film, man. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that only, is just my side. The thing with me is like, I, like I said, I'm never going to say we shouldn't have more. Not me either. Uh, me either. Like chances for women to do something in a exactly, movie, but. Exactly. The only reason there isn't more stuff for women in the movie is because the movie is about Black Panther. You know what I mean? Like, right. if it was like, mm-hmm. if it was, yeah, I mean, it's, it's at the end of the day, it's going to have to be about this guy who's well, exactly. the titular character mm-hmm. in the movie. So I, I would say, I think a more appropriate title for this movie is actually Wakanda than Black Panther because yeah. what so interested me about this movie is its description of the society more broadly. And I think that's ultimately what Kugler and the series is most interested in. Not necessarily mm. this, you know, one character's rise to the throne in defense of his own legitimacy, but how, you know, you were, uh, Sean, you were talking about how uh, Lupita Nyong'o's character acts as the kind of, like, benevolent moral conscience and then... Uh, Michael B. Jordan is like this much more jaded. And even though he's like, you're right. I mean, we understand where he's coming from, right? This is a guy uh, who grew up in like a poor area in Oakland who, you know, walks into an apartment to see something kind of terrible committed against his dad Mm -hmm. and is very much jaded by an American society that has reared him to be a killer and also discriminated against him as a black man. Mm -hmm. Um, But I feel like the, the, like the main debate in this movie, the one that I was so thematically into is like, what is the responsibility of this kind of fantastical techno utopia hmm. to black people more broadly? Yeah. Like, do you need to like do people with the resources and the money and the, like the ability go out and and protect, or do they kind of protect themselves? I, was that uh, we'll go to no, pre- was that right. was that something that like you that's that's right. what I was, was most interested in about issue. you know what I'm saying that was really his main issue yeah. like you have all this great technology and all these great resources that benefit you and benefit your country but there's a whole bunch of black people surrounding this world that are facing tough times and you should help us out I get his motives and that created unfortunately an evil in his heart and mm. a hatred in his heart that it should be just more just for those people and try to benefit for himself more than helping others so that's why he had to go down but i totally understand your motives and that's why he's probably up there with my favorite villains in our whole entire mm. universe because he brought a sense of realism to it instead mm. of just pure world domination you know what i'm saying but go ahead lucy i'm sorry no no, no sean no, go i was gonna it. say the yeah. fr- i was talking to a friend of mine my my friend stash who's the co-host of my podcast fantasy film ball yeah. um I was saying to him that the funny thing about this movie is that Black Panther uh, is T'Challa is Black Panther, but Black Panther ideology in an American sense is most seen through Killmonger. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. in terms of like yeah. having true. to protect the community, like being willing to like take That's to true. arms to fight for that. I was like, it's a, it's kind of a fascinating like 
like play on the titles yeah, that like the true kind of the true Black Panther in mm. like the American sense mm. is the villain of mm. the movie. And yet the Black Panther Party, especially you know after its inception in '66 in Oakland, became it's in New Haven too became. Uh, you know, even more controversial for implementing all these social welfare programs, right? Yeah, like, yeah. you know, f- free lunches and free mm-hmm, breakfast exactly. for kids. And, yeah, because people and pro- kind of always remember it, like, as, like, these, like, militant guys, but, like, it was really more about, like, protecting your community and giving, like, yes. opportunities. Which was yeah. an even more revolutionary activity. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's one of the things I liked about this movie was kind of, like, how much it plays into, like, society right now in terms of, like, the Wakanda, Wakanda as a utopia and what responsibility they have to the world mm. is specifically black people in the um around the world is fascinating in the sense if you look at it wakanda as america what responsibility do the americans have mm-hmm. as like the great greatest quote-unquote greatest country in the world what responsibility do we have to people who are mis uh, underprivileged around the world um and that's i don't know it's a, I, I didn't i didn't expect i mean kugler is amazing but i didn't expect it to be that much like of the times like mm-hmm. have a social impact beyond just like the the central black conflict yeah well and Sorry. Even like, like America within itself there, it's, you know, it's like an onion. There are layers and layers and layers. Mm -hmm. Um, But all the time, I think there's this discussion about how wealth is so, um, you know, so highly concentrated among very few people in America. So a couple weeks ago, Dr. Cornell West spoke at Yale Mm. and he was talking about how Tom, what was it like the top 1%? Right, so like the, the top three, you know, net worth individuals in America hold more wealth than a hundred million people. In the right, States, or and like and so when you think about, and of course, even when you think about the person who's in the White House right now, mm-hmm. think what you know, what if we had a society that was more in line with socialism, it would look very different. Like it would look very different within our own country. Mm-hmm. And certainly, mm-hmm. if we then distributed more humanitarian aid to countries that really needed it, that would also be revolutionary. Mm. Ooh, this is great. All right, let me reset just for a second for our <laughs> listeners. Ahead, uh, you are listening to Deep Focus on <laughs> WNHHLP, New Haven's home for community radio. I'm your host, Tom Breen, and I'm talking with Preston Wilson, Sean Murray, and Lucy Gellman about Black Panther, uh, the movie that really for the past two years since Black Panther's uh, cameo in, was it the Captain America Captain movie? America was the first one? Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, that, you know, Chadwick Boseman kind of showing up in that Marvel Cinematic Universe movie that uh, has really, you know, precipitated years of anticipation of this, uh, of this latest installment in that series. I feel like uh, I, I really want to touch on the topic of uh, Afrofuturism mm-hmm. uh, because okay. uh, that is one that I think a lot of folks have been associating Black Panther with, and right. I think it's kind of kind of hot right now. I mean, Lucy went to uh, a Black comic book festival in uh, at BAM a few oh, weekends so ago. Good. Last that was weekend, very yeah. much, was one. very much tied oh, it was up so in good. this, wow, okay. you know, this idea <laughs> of kind of intersection of uh, science fiction uh, and also the awesome. African American experience. Um, I think you know. Beyonce in uh, like a short movie Lemonade, definitely Janelle Monet with stuff like the Arch Android. It's kind of um, promoted this this uh, subgenre of science fiction that has been around for for decades now. That looks at you know the African American experience through the lens of like of science fiction. And so I wonder, maybe I'll go to to Sean first and then hop around. Is that um, what did you think of of uh, of this movie's depiction of Wakanda as a this like techno utopia as this Afro futurist world where, you know, people are kind of blissfully inhabiting uh, tall skyscrapers and hovercrafts. And stuff. I mean, I loved it because um, it's kind of like what uh, Preston said. The most fascinating thing about Wakanda is the idea of 
Wakanda is kind of, even though it's a fictional place, it's the realization of what Africa could be like if it was untouched by colonizers. You know what I mean? Um, and like the ingenuity of black people, the um, like the fact that like when if if Africans were in control of their own resources and they weren't like being mined by other nations, like what they would be able to accomplish. Because a lot of the people, like the in popular culture, you think of Amer- um, Africa as kind of this, like kind of a wasteland in a lot of respects. But like that's not the fault of Africans. It's a lot of the fault of like people who came into that and like are using that land for benefit of other countries and not mm-hmm. the countries where those resources are uh, being mined from. So I think it is. I mean, it's it's amazing. It's like the the ability, like vibranium, is just fascinating. Shuri being like the smartest person on the planet, she's sixteen years old. Like mm-hmm. because of there's this thing called the extremist armor in um uh in comic books where um basically Tony Stark has the ability to like call upon his Iron Man armor from under his skin. Yep. And mm-hmm. she kind of created the extremist armor for Black Panther be- way before Tony's able to do it in the movie. So it's like mm-hmm. she's way ahead of where Tony Stark, who has unlimited resources, um and is thought about in this universe as the smartest person on the planet mm-hmm. a 16 year old black girl in africa was able to do that like at 16 it's amazing i don't know afrofuturism just like is i thought it was an amazing job of like just showing the the possibilities and you know just one uh one thing about that character shuri who i agree totally steals the show i mean yes, whenever she thing. is on yes. screen it is like character. the most delightful part but talk about it i hadn't thought about this before you mentioned it but there's a real kind of character connection to tony stark and that she's the funniest person on the screen too right yeah. she's mm-hmm. like filled with this like self-deprecating but also very like self-aware of how she's smarter than everyone else in the room mm-hmm. which is what makes tony stark so appealing right yeah, like yeah. he's someone who you you're you can't be like you can't be too mad at him for being as wealthy and as smart and as much of a jerk as he is because he's so funny <laughs> so charming. <laughs> he's so yeah. charming and shuri especially i mean maybe the laugh out loudest moment in the movie for me is when she stops looks down at black panther sandals and says what are those perfect but i feel like that was channeling her inner like uh you know comic indignation that tony stark has but preston i feel like so so what sean um, brought up about Mm -hmm. how wakanda represents you know what africa uh and and kind of all black civilization could be without the Mm -hmm. like you know millennia of raping and pillaging brought on by um kind of imperialist interveners i feel like i've heard that a bunch in the context of Afrofuturism and Black Panther, yep. but just to maybe be a bit of a devil's advocate or push back a okay. little, I feel like I'm getting a lot of flack for this when I go on the Joe Ugly you show and bring up this slack. point. Okay. But, but I feel like <laughs> this is very much a fantasy, right? This is not necessarily imagining what could have been. This is like projecting into like the the you know like vibranium. Vibranium is not a resource that could have been better mined right. uh, if it weren't for um, you know imp- imperialism and kind of mass capture and and destruction of of africa this is very much like an idealized projection of uh like the best in in ourselves in in Mm -hmm. humanity i mean i don't know i wonder is this is this a specifically um is this a story about specific african ingenuity or is about the um you know what happens in a world devoid of warfare and uh and discrimination and kind of mass pilfering i mean it's like it told this is a very specific african story but i, I also you, wonder I like how much of this is a fantasy and how much of this is a this could have been this way maybe i don't know maybe there's not a difference between those two great, great point <laughs> you know um um i'm on the fence about it it's yes and no 
Um, yes, being the whole thing is fantasy. I mean, you got this big meteor that just smashes down on Africa. It can race this whole country of all this technology advances and all these interesting minds and these five awesome tribes that form this beautiful nation called Wakanda. You know what I'm saying? So that is the fantasy aspect. And you saying about this like whole warfare, and I'm just, I'm, I don't, I don't want to answer your question wrong. You know, there's I mean? oh, no wrong there, there's answer. There's no wrong or right answer. Definitely no wrong um, answer. <laughs> It's the possibility of could be because we because in a way I really can't answer that question because we may not never know what's going to happen. You know what I'm saying? Like what if the colonists did not come to Africa? What could have been like in that time? You know what I'm saying? There is people, you know, double crossing each other with the same skin color. You know what I'm saying? So we don't know what necessarily is going to happen yes. in that. So I really can't. You can go ahead, Sean. Yeah, sorry to cut you off. But no, um, that's, really, that's, that's one of the things I was. But I was thinking it was like, it yeah. is fantasy, but so yeah. is the idea of no colonizers. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's exactly. the idea you know behind it. Like, really it's can't. fantasy because we never got to see that. So even exactly. if, like, the imagination of, like, of course, like, Wakanda is the idealistic version of what you could imagine. But mm-hmm. it's like, if we got a chance to see it, then we would ever say, oh, wait, no, this is what happens when it doesn't. You know what I mean? But since that never happened because colonizers came over, we that's is all we have to go on. And I'm pretty happy with it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, you know, exactly. I like to imagine Wakanda could exist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lucy, I know you're a huge fan of Janelle Monet and of the Arch Android and Electric Lady Alice. Oh, and I oh. wonder if <laughs> if you can answer what you want, but this is the question I want to throw your way. Okay. Which is you know, I know you kind of uh um there is no hesitation in your love for those works of art. And I wonder what you see in those that you think Black Panther mm. also brought in its Afrofuturism, or maybe what you I know that you know different media. It's music, and this is a movie. I mean, we haven't spoken about the music in this oh movie God. yet. Oh my God! But I wonder about know, the soundtrack. Like, you, it's so you good. Could, yeah. If you could so off, is, off the is. cuff just talk about you know in a sense or two, what is it you love about what Janelle Monae does, and what is it that I don't know? Maybe you want to see more <sighs> of in Black Panther, or maybe you saw. I don't know. But well, I, I mean, I, I think to to a certain degree, it's kind of apples to bananas, though, mm. because Janelle, like the Arch Android, is an opera. Like like that album is an it it is an Afrofuturist opera, um, but it's also about um, racial tensions in America. Like it's it is such a profound and beautiful album, and so is the Electric Lady. And like the the way that the two flow into each other is, um, I I think it's a it's a very different work of art. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know we could even talk about the soundtrack and and the fact that like um, I thought it was the soundtrack for this movie was perfect. Like I would not change anything. Yeah. I I wouldn't change anything about it. Um, But it would have been totally different if Janelle Monae had been like the number one, uh, you know, Um, that said, I I mean, I I think where there's overlap um, is again, like the, the visual references Mm -hmm. in this movie actually. So Janelle Monet is someone who like her work speaks for itself. You mm-hmm. could love the Arch Android and the Electric Lady and never see a video of hers, but when you see her videos and even her live performances, that adds another layer on top of it. And I think in this movie, when you think about the costumes, Amazing. um, yeah, yeah. yeah the, the costumes were. I had a tweet where I was like, I don't even care if like the only thing I want. Is like Black Panther to get a um uh a Oscar nomination for, for costume yeah. costumes, production yeah, design like it's just yeah. outstanding. Wait, yeah. favorite costume? Favorite costume? I like oh. Mbaku's um uh oh, the white. This, this yeah, is the dude who, yeah. who lives in the kind of tradi- traditionalist <laughs> yeah. removed kind of wolf howling society yeah. where he's draped in all these. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that was a great uh, yeah, it's a great costume. Wait, but can we talk about the could have been thing? 
Yeah, yeah, please. Because I actually, I, I totally thought that there was a could have been. There's also, of course, a fantastical element to mm-hmm. this. Um, but I thought there was totally a could have been thing because if you think about um, minerals that are called conflict minerals that are being mined right now, especially for cell phones in countries in Africa, especially in the Congo and surrounding countries, mm-hmm. um, had Belgian colonizers not come in years and years ago, had there not been the history of Zaire, like like all of that, um, we would have had a very different country. I, I can't say no certain minerals would not be mined right now in those countries for for cell phones or for technology mm. it's like, um, it, may, it but, might not be a bulletproof cat suit uh, right. out there but it would be like but, people who were benefiting yeah. from but the I minerals think, in their own country i think it would look to, and and you know it preston would. you meant you meant i think you mentioned mm. um like the the idea of conflict within mm-hmm. uh different like different folks in countries in africa absolutely, absolutely. um but I think so much of that was brought on by colonizers mm-hmm. being in the country and creating factions. That. You know, mm-hmm. if you think about the conflict in Rwanda mm-hmm. in the 1990s, mm-hmm. all of that was because Bel- Belgians, I think it was I Belgians, it was Belgians. Um, came in and created, they said, you're, um, it, was it Tutsi and Hutu, Hutu I think? Hutu, yeah. yeah, you know, mm-hmm. you're this, you're that. And it, it was based on like, colorism and and it it, when you think about those lines they're relatively arbitrary at the end of the day Mm. but then you have massive civil conflict and you have uh largely europeans but also americans saying like look we don't really have a hand in this and in fact it's like no you have an Uh, entire hand another you know fascinating element about (laughs) this movie is that we're introduced to the lupita nyong'o again like moral conscience character yeah um not in a conflict between kind of European colonizers and kind of victimized Africans, but in a kind of Boko Haram style kidnapping mm, yeah. of this group of um, of young uh, Muslim women mm-hmm. who are being ferried off to, you know, whatever mm-hmm. terrible fate they have. Um, this is, you know, besides the, and we even spoken about the two kind of non-black characters in this movie, mm-hmm. as, uh, Andy Serkis as Ulysses Claw and then Martin Freeman as some CIA agent. But I mean, I, I think that it's, you know, very much focused on conflict kind of within the African diaspora, even, you know, between uh, black Africans as much as it is about the um, kind of negative intervening force of white Europeans. Before we go to the second segment of the show, I want to, you know, Preston, you are a producer on a show that is so much about um, hip hop. Uh, yes. And I feel like this, as yes. we've alluded to, the soundtrack of this movie, yes. you know, Marvel, there's an excellent, uh, there's this YouTube series called Every Frame a Painting, Love which this film critic breaks down uh, anything and everything about, out. like, okay. just uh, about movies, usually bigger movies, but, you know, he will dissect a movie frame by frame and talk about how every decision that went into the the framing, the soundtrack, the characterization, everything uh, creates, you know, the magic of movies. And he has one, one of his, uh, one episode is about how terrible marvel movies are with soundtracks how they mm. connect you know they've failed to come up with these iconic themes in the way that star wars or indiana jones or draw you know any you know any big blockbuster that you can think of often has you know a musical motif that call immediately calls to mind you know indiana jones running away from a boulder or something like that mm. there's no equivalent in the marvel movies and he talks about when they do come up with innovative music people are often just talking over them and we don't get to you know appreciate the sounds here we have Kendrick Lamar mm-hmm. coming up with the soundtrack for Black Panther mm-hmm. in, I, I don't know, I just want your impression of it. What do you think of the music? How did it work for you? I thought it was really great. You know, um, 
words can't really describe it because like the if he said if Kendrick said that Black Panther soundtrack was his next album, I'll believe it. Mm-hmm. Honestly. Because he didn't have to even name the thing Black Panther. He just brought issues that were just going on in the world and just put it within that universe. And I thought that was amazing. So when you say soundtrack and music, it really was just iconic of him just, just bringing his whole light into it. So it was just amazing. And also just a fun fact, um, the composer for the whole entire movie, the whole orchestra. Ludwig Gorenson. Yeah, Ludwig Gorenson. He did rap albums for Childish Gambino and did like other did TV community shows. Community score, yeah, community yeah. score, everything. He's that was his actually first big superhero movie. So to get that on him on his belt, that's amazing. He too. also did Creed and Fruitvale Station. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. So he's definitely good friends with Ryan. So that, yeah, so it all ties together, and I think it was just beautiful just for debuting with everything. So that's how I feel about the music. It was just extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, d- I can't disagree. I mean, I, I loved it. Uh, <laughs> it's, exactly. Uh, I don't know. Is, you know. Sean, do you have anything to say about the music in particular before we go to the fantasy film? Yeah, I got a lot of things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Well, man. first of all, I always, yeah. I love every frame of painting. Tony Giles is amazing. I'm sad to see that it's not running anymore. But I always disagreed with that because I thought the Avengers, first of all, I don't think there's that many scores that are I- iconic past like the 80s where like most movies don't, like people don't talk about movie music. Star Wars and Indiana Jones are Tied to a specific time where everyone was watching these movies. True. Um, I think, I think the Avengers score is uh, iconic. I think the Same. Guardians um, soundtrack is obviously iconic in a different way. And I don't I, know about that one because <laughs> they got different music. No, I'm saying it's, it's, it's from a soundtrack as opposed songs. to. A, no, I'm saying it's a soundtrack as opposed to a score. Right, but I'm right, saying right, it's, right. You, it's tied. A lot of those songs are now for me but tied when you to play that movie. Tom Jones. People are gonna say Tom Jones, um, Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy. That's how I feel. But about, you know. I thought. <laughs> But I get what you're saying. You, you I was t- I didn't mean to cut surprised you how little of the actual soundtrack that Kendrick created was in the movie. Yeah, but I also mm-hmm. thought Ludwig Göransson's score uh, was fantastic. I, like I think, Real, I think it was brilliant mm-hmm. how they didn't use it that much because the, the few times you hear it, it's you're hearing it like when they're in South Korea, when places mm-hmm. where that music would be playing. Exactly. And when you're in Wakanda, you're hearing the score that Ludwig created, yes. which makes a lot of sense. Like mm-hmm. you wouldn't you listen. No one in Wakanda would probably be listening to a Vince Staples no, song. Not at all. You know what I mean? Uh, like you won't hear a Vince Staples song while like Killmonger and um, T'Challa are, are fighting on the edge of a cliff. Yeah. So I think um, it was a brilliant use of it. And I think, like what Preston said about like if you, if I was told that this was Kendrick's next album, and it was it was devoid, like separate, completely separate from the movie. I would be convinced because like it, it taps into a lot of the themes that Kendrick has been exploring mm-hmm. in his about. music mm-hmm. and like. Speaking of kind of like Afrofuturism and not Afrofuturism, but like I'm speaking of um like the responsibility of like uh wealthy people, what responsibility they have to other people. That's a, that's a lot of been a lot of the themes of Kendrick's music since like To Pimp a Butterfly mm-hmm. and then like Jay Z's latest album 444. Mm-hmm. And like this is a continuation that, with that with the soundtrack is a lot of that like like what responsibility do I have to my culture? I think that's a lot. A lot of that's been happening in black music lately, and I, it's a fascinating to see it on screen in like the biggest black movie ever. So yeah. Great movie. Definitely. No, I mean, you know, going back to the very beginning of our conversation, we were talking about how maybe some of us were surprised, really pleasantly so, to see how much this movie was interested in that tension between, again, how much do you intervene to support the world more broadly and how much do you kind of protect yourself and your people? And I think that why that was such, you know, it made so much sense in the context of this movie is that that has been a debate happening in like the, you know, in African-American communities 
for a long time, right? Yeah. Going back to, you know, even 1920s, the whole like w. Marcus Garvey idea of, you know, we need mm-hmm. to go back to Africa. We need to separate ourselves entirely from this kind of corrupted and hellish civilization and go back to the world that, you know, we are from and that we can truly look out for ourselves in. Um, so it's it makes sense that, you know, whereas the other Marvel movies tend to be much more about the, you know, these enjoyable and flawed and like very egotistical individuals who also are, you know, trying to protect the world. This one is about like, I don't know, whole civilization as opposed to just um, one or two people. Uh, I could talk about this movie for a long time and I feel yeah. like everyone here can, but let's Damn. let's do one of the things I was most looking forward to having Sean on about and to have, have you all together is to do a bit of fantasy film ball. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sean, could you uh, lay the, maybe introduce our listeners to your podcast, what you do each week, and then maybe I can try to describe how we flip the script a little bit here. But tell us what Fantasy Film Ball is. Fantasy Film Ball is a podcast where we, we fantasy draft movies. So we treat it kind of like a football, a fantasy football draft where we take um, the director and uh, like maybe the top five or so top build uh, actors um, in the film. And we just um, we'll try to make it. So it's like they say we do Godfathers. Like, oh, if we can make Godfather right now, what would be your fantasy cast? For this film, so you like you start with the director, and we do around um, a snake draft style. So we go around the room, and you say, okay, and basically like the rules are like if I pick like Michael B. Jordan to be a, a to be my um, like uh, let's just say I pick Michael B. Jordan to be my lead actor, mm-hmm. and you're next. You cannot pick uh, Michael B. Jordan to be your lead actor because we're making separate movies. Mm-hmm. And if you if you had him on your list. And I speak his name. You have now ten seconds to pick another person to replace that person in your cast. So like, it's just to keep it like lively, and so we don't all have the same cast at the end. And it's something that different the audience members uh, can vote on because we uh, we post it on our Twitter at uh, Fantasy Filmball where we'll have people vote on which whose movie they want to see, and then that would be the person who wins, and we'll announce it next week. So I love this podcast. Thanks. <laughs> so it's so funny. I mean, Sean's a comedian. Is uh, his co-host Stash is as well, and they have some great guests. But it's just, I don't know. As someone who loves uh, watching and talking about movies, it's a great innovative way to to look at what ma- what makes us you know love movies and how we can swap them out. Talk about counterfactual, right? The world that could have been. <laughs> it's like, yeah. That's what it constantly is. Now I do have one question: Can you trade up in fantasy film ball? Can you Ooh. say? Can you like trade three second round draft picks for the? Ooh, for- <laughs> we haven't we've never done that. But that's, no, that's a fascinating you know, thing. Just, the, just that's a great just idea. Credit, just credit done. me yeah. whenever you use that. No, yeah, I'm going to credit you. <laughs> <laughs> but so the way that I wanted to to flip the script a little bit for today's show is that, you know, the Black Panther creative team is pretty unimpeachable, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I cannot imagine wanting to recast this movie because it has everyone who's kind of most exciting in cinema today. Um, and yeah. let so what I wanted to do instead was look back at two movies. We'll see if we each have two movies. But I was thinking two, one classic, one contemporary, where we recast and re uh you know position the filmmaking team from black panther onto that older movie so you swap out the director for ryan coogler you swap out the actors for michael b jordan chadwick boseman lupita nyong'o uh you know the composer uh and soundtrack artists for kendrick lamar um just as i don't know fun way of thinking about uh how this team could make other movies that we already love even better or different um so i wonder if uh I don't know. Do you, Sean? Since you're the fantasy film ball uh, originator, are you up for kicking things off yeah, I, with uh, with with one pick, and then we'll go. Let's go to Preston, me, and then Lucy, and then we'll snake back around the other way to nice. end with Sean. Good. All right. Wow. So what's your good. what's your first pick? Our first pick would be Heat, uh, Michael Mann's Ooh. 1995 mm. film. Wow. Um, wow. I, one of the things I loved about Black Panther so much was the conflict between Killmonger and T'Challa. 
And I thought it would be fascinating. Um, it's a similar conflict to me in a lot of ways in um, Heat uh, between uh, De Niro and Pacino. Like that was like like that's one of the great like like that scene at the uh, the diner is like one of the legendary scenes in Hollywood. And I think um, I mean Coogler, I would want to see him do anything. I think um, I love the look of his films. <laughs> Rachel Morrison is a great uh, cinematographer. Um, I'd love to see her do that. I just like I would love to see like um, uh, Michael B. Jordan in the DeVito uh, Macaulay role and um. Mm. Uh, Chadwick Boseman in the uh, Detective Hannah role, and just see them like face off for like the entirety of a movie in like a different setting. Um, and I think uh, it'd be interesting to like to to like ascribe a level of like how. First of all, it's amazing how Michael B. Jordan, uh, Ryan Coogler finds a way to put Oakland in all of his movies. I was like, when I saw they started the um, Black Panther in Oakland, I was like that's amazing that he found a way to he put tied it to himself. Yeah, yeah. and also Black about. Panthers coming from Oakland yeah. originally too. Right? It works. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was amazing. Historical. It was perfect. Yeah. And I was saying, um, like, obviously he could probably move it to Oakland, and then also <laughs> I, just, I would love to see like how he would um, infuse it with like a a, a black kind of perspective mm. on these characters. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, kind of like because a lot of times, like when you say there's like a black cop and a black criminal, it's kind of like. One of them is looking down on the other for the opposite reason. Like the black criminals are gonna like, why are you policing black people? And then the black cop is like, why are you destroying like your own community? So it's like infusing the movie heat with like a certain level of blackness would be fascinating to me. And talk about a like a, a villain that is difficult to villainize. Like Robert De Niro's character is like yeah. you understand, like you're rooting for him as much as you are exactly. for the exactly. cop, right? And Michael B. Jordan could certainly make you root for any villain that he uh, inhabits. Yeah, man. Uh, now yeah. uh Andy Circus as Val Kilmer character. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Can we just one second? He was amazing in Black Panther. He was so he was just chewing scenery. He was so fun and just like lively. He was great. And his I'm name's Ulysses Claw. <laughs> I know. I'm mad they killed him off. Oh, he yeah. did a lot with that character. It was the bait films. and switch, though, right? Yeah. It was he's set up as you the didn't villain. Didn't expect it, fact. which I, that's yeah. I understand. But I'm mad they killed him off. That's a great pick, though. Yeah, I did. So All right, Preston. Mm. Uh, so wait, is that your classic or your contemporary, or is it just one? I guess this is my classic. <laughs> it's kind of on the line. Yeah, right. yeah, it's like it's in the middle, but. All right, Preston, give me a give me one one pick that you would swap all of the Black Panther team into. James Bond, Goldfinger. Ooh. <laughs> um, they always want. There has been talk about a Black James Bond for a long time now. You know, with Idris Elba, you know, doing the role because he's British. Um, if Chadwick Boseman could do a good African accent, let him try a British <laughs> accent and work with it. Um, just with a Goldfinger style and just how him, he was possessed with something, how he just wanted something so much. He loved gold and just possessions over anybody else. I think Michael B. Jordan can definitely do that as the villain. Um, Shuri can definitely play the Q role really good. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. You know, yes. So, she like, already does. Because that, right. that yeah. brought up to my family. This is James Bond. You do like a little black James Bond thing. <laughs> and um, Andy Serkis can definitely play one of political figures. Andy Serkis can play an M role. You know, he could be Agent M, you know, just telling Chadwick Boseman where to go for missions. I think that would be kind of cool concept. You know what I'm saying? So it's different spots you can work with it. You know what I'm saying? Angela Bassett just put her in any roles. He's good in anything. <laughs> so that's how I figure, man. You want a black James Bond? Pick Chadwick. There it is. Solid. Yeah. All right, uh, my so dope. we've got uh, we've got Heat uh, and James Bond, Goldfinger. All right, my classic movie. This mm -hmm. one I've been uh, You've very been proud very of. Excited I, about this. I definitely go 1939 classic, The Wizard of Oz. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. I, feel like, I feel like the I want all these picks. So this <laughs> iconic kind of fantasy musical that follows yeah. a, a girl from Kansas who's desperately trying to find her way home with a ragtag team of uh, of these kind of humanoid misfits i feel like one kugler has proven himself to be adept at so many different genres mm -hmm. like this kind of micro hyper realistic indie and fruitvale station you know the, the 
blockbuster boxing movie that manages to maintain that intimacy in Creed. Mm. And now we have the superhero movie. So why not do a musical? Yeah, <laughs> there you go. I'm right? on board. Uh, I feel like uh, Lupita Nyongo would be my pick for Dorothy. She has that same like faith in the basic like fundamental goodness of people mm-hmm. and a little bit of like uh, naivete, but also just this, I don't know, this distinction that you are rooting for her regardless of where she is. Michael B. Jordan, I think, would make the perfect cowardly lion. He brings to every character, especially in Fruitvale Station and, uh, and Creed, this like, this wounded masculinity where he's constantly trying to prove how like tough a guy he is, but he's also, you know, he's a sensitive and vulnerable yeah. dude. And I feel like the cowardly line is maybe a comedic take on that, but man, that guy can roar, but ultimately he's incredibly self-conscious about whether or not uh, he's a true man. And then who better to be the the man behind the smoke and mirrors than Andy Serkis as yeah. the, as the mm. actual wizard of Oz. That's Someone, cool. you know, Andy That's Serkis cool. probably best known not by his face, but by his many motion capture performances as Caesar in mm. the planet of the apes movies as Gollum in the Lord of the Rings movies. He's like a shapeshifter who can seem very big and imposing. And then also, you know, this small, weak and utterly futile character. So I feel like he would be, he'd be the great, the great wizard. You, but, could, have, so, you could have Ruth E. Carter, uh, design the costumes. Yeah. And uh, Kendrick doing the soundtrack for Wizard And also, I, I feel like what I may have found a little bit lacking in the um, in the techno utopic like visual yeah. like design of Wakanda, I feel like he could really make like Oz is not supposed to be a realistic place, right? This is like the fantasy, like this is the place where um, it's kind of all smoke and mirrors. And I feel like Kugler could set that up really well. So Wizard of Oz is my pick, uh, Lucy. Oh, well, my my contemporary, no great surprise, is Mean Girls. Yeah. But because it would be so much better with this cast. And I'm going to get a lot of flack from maybe people who are listening because some people see Mean Girls as the perfect rom-com. Mm. Um, but Michael B. Jordan as Aaron Samuels, which is <laughs> unimpeachable. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah, right? I agree. Right? Um, and Letitia Wright uh, replacing Lindsay Lohan. I think it would be yeah. a lot deeper of yeah. a movie. And then definitely soundtrack, Kendrick. Um, the <laughs> soundtrack to Mean Girls kind of sucks. I, someone <laughs> out there who's listening is, is going to find me No, I love Mean me Girls, but I, I would agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, um, and, and I think, you know, if you put Angela Bassett in as the mom. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, right? That'd be great. Right? Um, so, so definitely me, for me, it was a toss up between mean girls and easy a, I thought, um, yeah, I thought yes. you bring this cast in and it's like oh, an, an amazing, amazing movie, but, um, black Panther, the high school. Yeah, and, and of course, yeah. Ryan Coogler move it to Oakland. Um, yeah, it, yeah. It, yeah. does it take place? It might take place in California already. I, believe so. I don't, it's like California or Idaho. Well, or we got to make sure it's Oakland though. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, it's like Oakland high school. It's gotta be Oakland. It's gotta be Oakland. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a great pick. Yeah. All right. So just to recap, well, first you're listening to Deep Focus on WNHHLP, New Haven's home for community radio. And we are taking the unimpeachable uh, Black Panther, even though I offered a few uh, not as (laughs) well articulated as I would have liked, but nevertheless, criticisms of it. You know, why not just take a classic movie and completely swap out (laughs) everyone you love in it for people you love in Black Panther? So we have, um, we've got Sean Murray, who's saying uh, Michael Mann's Heat, uh, Preston Wilson, uh, James Bond, Goldfinger, mm-hmm. I'm doing Wizard of Oz, and Lucy's Mean Girls. Uh, Lucy, do you want to take us to one more, uh, one more fantasy film ball pick, and then we'll? Oh yeah, well this is my classic, and it's um, it's controversial, but um, I I would actually remake it, uh, remake Guess Who's Coming to Dinner with um, with Chadwick 
Bozeman and Michael B. Jordan as um as the couple. As and the I couple. I would have it Justine. Yes, and I would have it be a contemporary film about homophobia. Wow. Um, That's a I, I think yeah, it would be it. really, really interesting. Be it could be set Bernie in Mac. Oakland. Uh, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> but I um I I really I mean it's it's tough, right? Because I I love Sidney Poitier in the original movie and he's so um just an incredible actor Mm -hmm. but i think as a contemporary film you know kind of catapult it into the contemporary moment which (laughs) black panther also but which which we also have with black panther that's a you know it's a very timely movie and so um so that would be my pick and Go ahead. Oh no! I was just gonna say, Outside I feel like Bozeman, especially in this role, embodies the like incredible, overwhelming dignity that Poitier, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. however limiting that feature was for his many characters over the years. That's like what one associates most with him, and I feel like Bozeman, you know, as the upright son of the murdered king here, he's like, you know, he's someone that you just you just love. But did you have a no, say, comment that's, on um, that? That's a great pick because that's one of the things we try to do on fantasy film. But if we do like a classic movie, like an older movie, we'll. You, you talk a lot of times you look at the plot or like the story and like it wouldn't fit now or it wouldn't be as mm-hmm. resonant so we try to like i don't want to say scale it up but like trying yeah. to adapt it to this current social atmosphere and that's a perfect way to do that for that movie like angela bassett for instead of katherine hepburn yeah like, yeah no, that's amazing oh, she's just amazing i just love she's her great that's great yeah, have Forrest Whitaker and Angela Bassett as the couple. Oh, Forrest, oh, yeah. 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 parents oh man yeah disapproving and then ultimately won over that's great all right, uh, my contemporary pick uh, is going to be another genre that Kugler has not quite worked in. If if The Wizard of Oz was fantasy musical, this one is the comedy and kind of neo-noir, and that's the Coen Brothers 1998 classic, The Big Lebowski. Ooh. Nice. <laughs> With, uh, I haven't quite figured out which, char- which actors I would put in which roles, but definitely I put... Andy Serkis in John Goodman's Walter Sobchak role <laughs> in that he's like this big blustering fool of a man. I think that I would put Daniel Kaluuya in the in the lead uh, Jeffrey Lebowski, the dude role. And that yeah, Kaluuya, yeah. I think he's probably best known for being the lead in Get Out. He is really good in Black Panther. I don't think he's given too much to do, yeah, but yeah, there's something about the way that he just, he carries himself. He is such a brooding presence on screen. And I feel like that, uh, that, kind of self-seriousness combined with the absurdity of what's happening around you in a Coen Brothers movie, I think would make for a really funny uh, combination. And then uh, as I would probably put um, Michael B. Jordan as Donnie. I haven't really thought this one through, <laughs> but I feel like I, 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 you know, someone, someone in that role of the um, like thankless put upon naive person. I feel like Jordan can do anything, so why yeah. not put him in the Donnie oh, role I was, as well? I was just thinking about that. Like, that'd be fun to see him in that kind of like goofy role. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going Big Lebowski, uh, recast with Black Panther. All right, Preston. My turn. <laughs> a mission from God. Let's go to Blues Brothers. Oh, um, <laughs> nice. I think Chapman yeah. has a really Chadwick. I'm sorry, I messed up his name. He has a good voice. Uh, we always saw the uh, James Bond brown biopic he definitely can sing and dance uh same thing with michael b jordan he can definitely do his thing like on the stage just dance he was dancing hardball for goodness sake and um they can definitely do it um they have a great supporting cast and Baco can definitely be definitely part of the whole band you know <laughs> andy circus could be chasing he could be one of the top cops chasing these guys you know what I'm saying just around the country i think blues buzz be a great fit and you could bring the whole music with black panther and tie that into oh, the whole I film which it. would be really good if we can bring it to like not 
you do you have blues, you know what I'm saying, get those iconic scenes, but bring a little hip hop into it and blend in with the times that are now, I think would be a great movie. So Blues Brothers is my second pick to go like really outside that whole box. That like is that. a solid pick. And especially I feel like Bozeman and mm. Jordan dressed up in the kind of black tie suits yes, and sunglasses yes, would look the epitome of cool. Uh, so. They can definitely have that oddball, <laughs> awkward comedy between them, that whole tension, you know, going on. I think that'll be really good too. It's a good pick. All right, Sean, uh, take us home. Okay. Uh, my pick um, for, I guess, more contemporary pick, even though 1995 is not that long ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> would be Short Term 12, which is a 2013 film uh, by, uh, what's it, Destin Daniel Cretton. Um, it's okay. a story of this, um, Brie Larson plays this person who works at like a home for like- uh, It's like a foster care facility. Yeah, and um, she just kind of, it's just a story of this woman and she's um, she's trying to connect with these kids. She's just having a hard time. It's specifically a story of this- um, Lakeith Stanfield was the first real role I've ever seen him in. I loved him, and he plays um, one of the older kids in the, who's going to be put out out of the program because he's turning eighteen, and he's struggling. And she's trying to like um, balance her life with like her care for these kids, and like sometimes she's like worrying if she's crossing the line between like being too attached to the kids and um, not focusing on what's going on at home. I think I would put Lupita Nyong'o in. Um, uh, Brie Larson's role and I would love to see Letitia Wright in um, Lakeith Stanfield's uh, role um, as like the person who's turning 18 is and is being um, like about to be released from the program and uh, because I, th- that was like a lot of people started to become familiar with Lakeith Stanfield from uh, Get Out and Atlanta but when I saw him in that movie I was like who is this guy like he's 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 amazing and Letitia Wright had the same effect on me in um, obviously I saw her in Black Mirror and a couple other things but I thought just seeing her in uh, Black Panther I was like, wow, she's just so talented and charming, and like, I just want to see more of her. And I just, I don't know, I, I didn't want to like focus too much on just the the men in the the cast because I think the women in this movie, like as we spoke about earlier, were just uh, incredible. And I want to see like a chance for them to like to do to do a little something. That Absolutely. is an inspired pick, and definitely that was uh, you know my the first time I noticed Lakeith Stanfield as well, and. What so defines that character and also Shuri is how precocious they are. Right? Yeah. I feel like they're so young and they're so unexpectedly just yes. mind-blowingly brilliant. And yeah. and mm. uh, I feel like there's I'd be interested to see Letitia Wright play a more you know wounded character like Lakeith Stanfield's yeah. character there because he's really he, that character's hurting right and he's channeling that hurt into his art, but mm. he like suffers more than he like delights in how talented he is. Yeah, um, he's kind of like the flip side of the the what, what Shuri is in Black Panther. He's kind of like the like the not so happy side of that you know i that just where's lakeith stanfield in black panther i feel like he's the he's the only like <laughs> yeah. you know up and coming kind of young black star who i want to see in everything who's always who is not I, in I, I was just gonna say <laughs> here a sequel yeah yeah he was he was yeah and then when i found out like um donald glover and stephen glover kind of mm-hmm. helped out on the script a little bit mm-hmm. i was like yes because I, I don't know they had to be part of it too uh, for me as well uh, like because there's um, there's like yeah, the Keith Stanfield and Donald Glover, like like you said, are like the last two people. Like they got to be a part of this. Well, that's it. Cool, cool. That's our episode about Bland Panther. Thanks so much for, oh, for listening, everyone. Anyone, is there any last thing that anyone wants to say that we have not spoken about in regards to Black Panther that like this is the thing that I felt most strongly about it and hasn't come up yet? Um, I don't know if I said this, but I just had a, I had a tweet when I got out of the film that I. I posted where just basically saying my favorite thing about the movie was that blackness was not what well, window wasn't window dressing. It was essential to the mm. function of the plot. And I think mm. that's like, that's one of the things that I was like pleasantly surprised. About. I'm not, well, I mean, when you see it, look at the creative team, of course it's not a surprise, but it was just like the fact that you can't have that same story. If Killmonger is a white guy and if, um, 
uh, T'Challa is a white guy. It's it's so essential to like the black, like mm-hmm. you said earlier, the African diaspora. If um if those people aren't black, the story isn't doesn't have the same resonance, and it doesn't even like yeah. you can't even put that story together the same way. So I thought it was fascinating that like it wasn't just a black movie made by Marvel, and it was just like okay, this guy's black, but he's basically any other um hero. It was like a super black story, and I thought that was like amazing part of it i think i i think that's why as fun as andy circus's ulysses clow is that's why he has to be killed off early on and be replaced by a different villain right because he is not like this is a, a movie again that has blackness at the very center of it and to have his like kind of scene chomping villain going through the entire movie i think would have been uh i don't know i don't know if it would have worked as well for me but while we're sean well uh you're giving your last thoughts where can people find out more about what you do where, where can people listen to fantasy film ball Facebook, Twitter, what do you okay. want to share? Um, you can follow Fancy Film Ball at Fantasy Film Ball on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter uh, at HighbrowSean and on Instagram at LowbrowSean. Um, you can download uh, Fantasy Film Ball uh, at FilmBallPod.com or pretty much anywhere you can get uh, podcasts. It's available. We try to drop episodes every Monday. We haven't missed one yet, and we're going to try to keep doing that. We're doing um, Escape from New York this week. So that should be nice. fun. And uh, yeah, thanks. Excellent. Uh, Preston, where can folks hear more of you, learn about what you're up to? All right. Uh, Joe Ugly in the Morning, morning show's favorite morning show, every weekday morning, 6 to 9 a.m. on WNHHLP 103.5 FM and streaming on UglyRadio.net. I also do a show with Marshall Cruz, who's on the Joe Ugly in the Morning program. It's called The Indie Come Up between 5 and 7 every Tuesday evening. And... I just followed you on Instagram, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Showed love. And definitely, man, just just check me out right on UglyRadio.net and every morning on WNHH, just holding it down for everybody. Right now. And Lucy Gellman, uh, where can folks find out more about what you do? Oh, uh, arts paper, that's one word, dot org. And every Friday, we run a Friday flicks column by the unimpeachable Tom Breen. Yeah. Uh, well, you can find links to all the stuff we've spoken about today, uh, as well as how to follow these guys and gals at deepfocusradio.com, uh, where you can find over two years of conversations about movies at New Haven. Sean, Press, and Lucy, thanks so much for coming in. It's been a pleasure to talk with you about Black Panther. Yeah, Thank pleasure, you, Tom. Thanks for having me. Pleasure's awesome.